the theme of this episode is about like this shit may not work. Right. Right. And like you think about wild ideas, you think about ideas that like when you first hear them, you're like, ah, that may not. And then you see them take shape. You see them through trials and tribulations, like they shape into something that you go, oh, wow. Well, when you first brought it to my attention, it looked like this. But now oh, I can see how that works. Right. But you don't get there until you trip over yourself and you have iterations that don't work. Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. And friend, we're here to help you get your shit together. I'm Eddie. And I'm Janelle. And we're the Copelands. We've got three daughters, two businesses, a mortgage, and lots of responsibilities. So just like you, we're struggling to find that perfect balance of ambitious go-getter hustle while still staying present, loving our kids, and working on our relationship. (laughs) And doing the laundry, going to the grocery store. Oh, and don't forget being mindful. Yeah, all of the stuff. (laughs) So if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So get ready to be pushed. Hey guys, welcome back to the Push Podcast. I'm Janelle. And I'm Eddie. Hello, Eddie. Hi. Okay. Are you awake or what? What's happening? I am awake. Okay. I'm just (laughs) Well. Monotone Eddie that's is in the house. No. Hello. How's it going? Hey. Good, good. Welcome back. This is episode number 89 of the Push Podcast. Yes, it is. Do you have a what in the world? (laughs) Usually you say, I have a what in the world. If you don't, I do. Go ahead. You go first. Okay. When you are listening to or watching this podcast, uh, Mother's Day will have been gone for a week. Oh, my God. However, I would like to bring something to your attention. It's come to my attention that moms really get the shitty end of the deal. And here's what I mean by that. My lovely husband asks me 24 hours before Mother's Day, honey, what would you like to do for Mother's Day? And I said, I'll tell you what I don't want to do for Mother's Day is tell you what the fuck I want to do for Mother's Day, plan a whole day for myself, tell you what to do. Like, I don't want to do that. So for the record, I don't think I actually asked that specific question. I was I was following up on something that you had said you wanted to do to ensure that's something you still wanted to do. No, no, no. My oldest daughter on Sunday last week said, do you want to have a tea party? And I said, yes, I do. And then two days before Mother's Day, you asked me, so is the tea party still happening? I don't know. I'm not planning my own tea party. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that's what I don't want to do. So I decided that I couldn't have been alone. Can I just say this? So I turned to my Instagram friends, (laughs) took a poll. Turns out every mother in America, maybe not every mother in America, but every mother that follows the cake mamas also says that they were being harassed, you know, 48 hours, 36 hours, 24 hours prior to Mother's Day. And everyone in the world is scrambling around trying to find out what to get their mother for Mother's Day. I'm just going to tell you this. Moms don't want shit for Mother's Day. They want to be left alone. They want quiet. They want to, they want for you to figure out what to feed them on one day out of the year. They want for you to make all of the decisions that they normally have to make. They want for you to pick an activity that you can force the kids to help with so that way they can show appreciation for their mom. You are right. 
So this doesn't happen for Father's Day. You know why? Because the moms ahead of time are like, okay, it's Father's Day. Let's get your shit together. What do you want to get your dad? Like, we have to make it special. So I head over to Clubhouse, which I'm going to talk about today. And Clubhouse is having this whole ass discussion with moms everywhere saying this one woman, she said, all I asked for was Alexa. I asked Alexa, I want Alexa to turn on my lights. I want it. She said for a year, I've been saying, you know what I want for Mother's Day? I want Alexa. I want Alexa to do everything I tell her to do. So I guess this morning, which is the day before Mother's Day, her kids, her grown kids, they're like 20 are like, mom, you need apps and stuff to go with that. You you can't just tell Alexa, you know, you need all these plugins. And she goes, I don't give a shit. I told you for a year, I've been telling you that I want Alexa to do these things. And now you are telling me something 24 hours before Mother's Day that you basically can provide the one thing I asked. Yeah. It was just funny. Rotten and kids. so every <laughs> single mom that I've spoken with today is in the same boat. Just like, okay, so do we blame it on the father's? for not making it a priority and saying, hey, your your moms do a lot. Like we need to make sure that we're planning ahead. By the way, this shit happens every year. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, judging- So what is it? Uh, there seems to be a root cause there. I don't know exactly what it is, you but don't. I can tell you this. I've got a few hypotheses. Mall, that the mall today- was packed. Mm -hmm. and, and everybody's mall, yelling out, and, would and, you like this? Yeah, and so- my what in the world is what in the world do you get mothers from Mother's Day? <laughs> you get them thoughtful things. So what happens but is you wait until the last minute and now you're like, we got to go big. Get her a laptop. <laughs> get her an iPad. Get her all the AirPods. Get her all the. That's why they're out of desperation in the Apple store less than 12 hours away from Mother's Day. Well, you know, I have no sympathy. It's crazy because you walk through the mall and you hear people say, do you think she'll like this? Do you think this is like this? Just get it. And people are like, just get them. Get it all. Yeah. All of it, right? So there is something mysteriously going awry when it comes to Mother's Day. It's not mysterious. Uh, I'll tell you. I can't tell you what it is, but I can tell you this. <laughs> For Father's Day, I think fathers are, there's a practicality that comes to Father's Day. Okay. Okay. Well, and that, actually, that it's is, not your day. We're not talking about no, Father's I'm just, Day right now. I'm making a comparison. You just went on a, a nice, I agree with you. We, we okay. are all horrible human beings when it comes to Mother's Day. So you just said, what do we get moms for Mother's Day? This lady said, y'all should know what the F to get me because you live in the same house as me. If you don't know me, then we have a problem. She was like, yeah. I shouldn't have to tell you but that, that, what things I like. Yeah, you should it, know. I think that's for, yeah, normal. You're, you're very difficult to shop for, honey. Me and everybody else on Clubhouse. And everybody in the mall. Well, that's the, you know, I I, I, think, I don't know. I wasn't in Clubhouse. I can't, I think I can't what it confirm is, or deny is you guys that these don't pay conversations ha happened or not. You don't pay attention. Okay. <laughs> you don't pay possible. attention. You procrastinate. You wait till the last minute. And then the moms have to be the bitches. The moms are like, okay, I'll tell you what I don't want. You asking me. Okay. I'll tell you what I don't want to do. Wait until the last damn minute. I'm pretty sure. So this is a public service <laughs> announcement for all of the fathers out there. You are in a partnership. You have had children. The children, whether good or bad, they need to like spend one day a year saying, you know what? Mom's not going to do anything today. And and by the way, everybody that says that, oh, my kids told me I didn't have to do anything tomorrow. They're just going to let the shit pile up until Monday. It's not like they're actually going to like hire a housekeeper to fill in for mom on Sunday or like actually like say, hey, you know what? Let's do all the shit she does in a week. Let's do it on Sunday. 
Like literally one mom was like, you know, I would just like them to go to Costco for me. Like that would be great. Just do one thing that I do in a week. Do that for me on Sunday. If you're going to tell me to rest and all my shit has to get piled on the back burner. And this is like a this is a public service announcement. I just need to bring it to everyone's attention. It's one day a year. You know, you have a mother like, you know, that like. I should just do something to appreciate her. I'm going to take a picture of myself. I'm going to frame it. I'm going to print that shit on a blanket and I'm going to tell her to wrap herself up in it. I'm just going to do but something. But you know what's going to happen though? Like <sighs> some kids and, and dads are going to take that advice and every year there's going to be like these pictures taken and frames and some moms going to be like, I don't want another picture of my family. Yeah, I but want- <laughs> then send her somewhere. You know how many moms were like, this this lady, she said, I'm 40 now, but when I was younger, I never understood why she would just tell my dad, I just want a hotel room by myself. <laughs> she goes, and now that I'm 40 with kids, I can't tell you that one single year we listened to her ever. Mm-hmm. And she said, I just want a hotel room <laughs> by myself. You want to sit there, you want to read. And it just makes moms sound so terrible. Like that's supposed to be the day yeah. that, you know, you're spending yeah. your time with your kids. And here's what I learned from Clubhouse and Instagram is like, fathers spend Father's Day with their kids. Y'all should. You're not usually there. Like, that's not usually your gig, right? Mom's is a little bit different. I feel like there's some social norms and, and some stereotypes that we're throwing well, right I here. I don't know. Let's I, see. I, I mean, I agree with you, but I also think this is 2021. And and we're still going through the same shit. I think moms have taken on different roles, you know, and the roles of the nuclear family have shifted and changed. This conversation is going nowhere. So <laughs> we're going saying. to transition in today's title. I just and don't want the people to think we're old fashioned. We know that that some men no. stay the, home. The point of this clean, is not about cook. old fashioned. The point of this is y'all need to make sure that you're prioritizing the fact that Mother's Day comes every right. year. And we don't want you asking us what we want to do on Mother's Day, 48 hours before Mother's Day. So can you never ask me that again? I will never ask you again. Thank you so much. This is a public service (laughs) announcement. All the moms out there, they wanted me to say it. And so there I said it. Oh, okay. We're moving on. So today (laughs) we're going to talk to you about the fact that whatever the idea is for the business or whatever it is that you have, it probably won't work, but you should do it anyways. (laughs) So this is a positive conversation, I swear. But I was listening to a podcast today. I love listening to Guy Raz, How I Built This. It's a business podcast. He had the founders of Clubhouse on. Clubhouse, I've talked to you guys many times before. If you're not on Clubhouse, you should get on Clubhouse. I guess in May, sometime in May, they're going to let all the Android users on, which is pretty cool. So it's not just going to be an app for iPhone users. So here's the thing. The app launched in April 2020, right before or right during the pandemic, right? And then by the summertime, it was valued at $100 million with only 1,500 beta users. But then by the end of January 2021, it was worth over a billion dollars and had 2 million users on it, still in test mode, still in beta. Yeah. Here's what I learned today. The two founders, which are Paul Davison and Rohan Seth, they were on Guy Raz's How I Built This podcast, right? He says... You guys have only been in business for like a year. And normally when you come on How I Built This, I want you to have like 10 years under your belt because you don't really know enough to share any insights for people. And so he was pretty, you know, open about that. He goes, however, in doing research about you guys, I realized that you've been in the tech industry for a really long time. 
and this is not your first rodeo. He says, you know, you've been in many startups before. You've had many ideas for previous companies and they all failed. Mm -hmm. All of them. Mm -hmm. Right. And so he says, so what makes this different? And the guys kind of told the story. And one of the guys, I can't remember if it was Rohan. I think it was Paul. Paul or Rohan, I don't know. One of them had a kid in 2019 and the child was born with some sort of, I think it was a mutation, right? right? And there was no cure. And so he goes on this major quest to like figure out like a cure for his kid and his friends so inspired by him that he winds up kind of helping him, you know, start this fund, find all these scientists and researchers to like find a cure for his daughter And long story short, they wound up finding something that saved her life, right? Right. And so Guy Raz was like really inspired by that. He goes, wow, that sounds amazing. And he said, I have to kind of tell my friend, like he really helped me get through it. And so the guy, the friend says, I don't know if I actually did anything. I think I was just sticking around because I was so inspired by your will to try to like find something to save your daughter. And so that was like one interesting thing. He like thought that it was his friend that had, you know, I couldn't have done this without him. And then they built this beautiful friendship based on not business, but because there was something that came up while they were coming up with a business idea that brought them closer. Yeah. I thought that was just really special. Right. So anyways, they start this app and what they had in common from all of their previous business ventures is that they were always in the social space, Mm -hmm. like trying to find a way to connect people. So at one point they had developed, one of them had developed this app where you could be walking down the streets in like LA or San Francisco and it would like alert you, hey, in the corner store, 20 feet away, your brother's, you know, sister's friend is in there. Her name's Rebecca. Go say hi. Yes or no. Yeah. Or, you know, oh, over here on this side of the street. So it's like a seven degrees of separation. When you think about that, it's interesting. It's intriguing. But it is that is like a privacy. I think it's not like a privacy thing. Like you're like, hey, so-and-so's in that um, room that, you know, that. Yeah hotel over there well, you'd like, have to what? opt in yeah. <laughs> you would have to it's like a find your friends like you'd have yeah. to opt in right so it would be turned like on a scavenger hunt with people yeah <laughs> so it would be turned on if you wanted people like while right, you're right. going hey i'm gonna be at venice beach today i'm gonna turn this on and see who i run into mm-hmm. like that would be kind of cool right so whatever the app didn't work it failed they had like 10 things between the two of them that they had been a part of when it came to like a startup they all failed you know and it's so interesting because like if you were to come to me and say and tell me that first idea Mm -hmm. i probably would say nah that ain't gonna work because people are not gonna want to turn it on all the time and like all the different things but the fact that they pursued it Mm -hmm. right tells you a little bit about them and tells you a little bit about like what they're willing to do to achieve what they want to achieve as well, far as connecting people. Yeah. But what's so interesting, and I, you're probably going to get to it, but it's like, I wonder when they think about what they created now, how much they pulled from that failure, you know, right. what I mean? that app and everything, all the nuances of what they learned from it. So every single company that they had started all had the same things in common. And that was something social to bring mm-hmm. people together. And so I don't know if they're introverts. I don't know. I don't think that they're like exceptional extroverts. I think they just wanted to find a way to connect with people. 
So they talked about like one of them's an engineer. He's like, it's kind of lonely. You know, you want to like know where your friends are on a Friday right. night. And so then he says, you know, I also had this idea like for Clubhouse was like, oh, man, I just finished watching Game of Thrones or something. And I like wanted to see who was available to talk. Talk about it. Yeah. Right. So he said that it was like this dial in thing where you could like you basically alert like your top friends and say, hey, I'm available to talk. Anybody else available to talk? Mm. So it would alert them. And then whoever decided like they wanted to be the first one to get in, then they could get in. You could have a talk with them. Right. Right. So think about how many times you might want to share something with a friend, but you're like, "Ah, I'm not going to call them. Yeah. But instead, you could be like, hey, I want to talk. Who wants to listen? And so this was like the beginning iterations of Clubhouse. Right. He said in the beginning, there was no like room or a host. It was just one person would initiate And then you'd have to kind of just see if there were any takers. So the conversations were just all over the place. And then that's how Clubhouse was built, basically. Yeah. And I hope that people are listening to this because the theme of this episode is about like, this shit may not work. Right. Right. And like, you think about wild ideas, you think about ideas that like when you first hear them, you're like, ah, that may not. And then you see them take shape. You see them through trials and tribulations, like they shape into something that you go, oh, wow. Well, when you first brought it to my attention, it looked like this, but now oh, I can see how that works. Right. But you don't get there until you trip over yourself and you have iterations that don't work. So what was interesting about this episode is Guy Raz said, well, you know, I don't know if you guys want to talk about it, but you have billions of dollars on the table right now. Like lots of companies, investors want to throw money at Clubhouse. And he goes, yeah, I don't really so much care about that. We raised enough money and we're good. Like we'd rather just not take the money. So that way, if something goes bad, like we don't really need to pay a bunch of people back. Right, right. And he said, I've been doing this long enough to know that like could work maybe it doesn't and so they literally attacked this clubhouse situation as let's see what will happen that's it there's no l like nothing else right and so i thought it was just really inspiring because we're getting ready to start the next session of passion to profit right Mm -hmm. passion and profits our eight-week master course it's for aspiring business owners who have an idea that they want to turn their passion, something that they're great at, into a profitable business. Right. And so often you see people in the beginning startup stages so desperate to make it work, so desperate to make a buck, so desperate to find customers, so desperate to just like, I want to quit my job and go all in. Like everything is just so scarce, right? Or, or the, yeah, that and then they're so paralyzed and they're so stiff and rigid because they're trying to get like be right the first time like, right, right, right. everything they do ha- is they're trying to like oh, what if this has to what work, if it, I have, work? I, what if it doesn't what work it's wrong and so they're so busy trying to like be right instead of trying to get it right and, and like the story you just told is about over the time we're just gonna get it right 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 and we're gonna have iterations and we're gonna get to a place where it, it, it works and may not work but that that kind of light approach, I think it breeds creativity. Well, the thing is, is that you can't start something that you're passionate about with like a, "Uh, but if it doesn't work, that's like the end of me. Right. Right. And so 
I feel like you only develop that resilience though and the confidence to know like, you know what, let's just do it because it's fun. Let's just see what happens, right? right? If we get lucky, we get lucky. If not, it's not the end of the world. Like we're smart people, we'll come up with more stuff. You only get to that point from a couple failures. And that's just so key for you guys to understand. It's like the thing that you're trying to avoid is actually the thing that's going to become your superpower strength that will help you give less fucks about everything (laughs) and really focus on like trying to get something right. Not the thing right, but just like eventually over time, all the lessons that you're collecting. So if they wouldn't have collected the lessons from the failures, then they wouldn't be so like, Yeah, let's see what happens. You wouldn't be willing to take risks if you didn't know that you're going to survive if the risk doesn't pan out. Yeah. And, you know, I love that you said that because what's a like a micro version of that is like that attitude, that kind of growth mentality where you're flexible and you're resilient, which which I think is probably the master characteristic or ability is to be resilient, to be able Mm -hmm. to be stretched right, uh, broken, but also be able to return to some point to your natural state, which I think is a very important thing. But it's interesting because like we coach people and we coach people on a regular basis. And I am so amazed by the fact that people can get really bad results and still not be open to be coached, like Mm. and still not be open for feedback. Like they know they're not getting what they want, but they're so rigid because they're still trying to be right. They're still trying to like have this ego and validation yeah. for themselves that they don't allow themselves to be open to any insight, any right. suggestion, any perspective, but that also translates into how they run their business, mm. right? And so they become so rigid that they can never get to the place where they go, well, this may work, it may not work, but we're gonna yeah. we're gonna approach this with energy and, and enthusiasm and excitement and curiosity to find a way to get to a place where we can see success at the end of the tunnel. That's like powerful to me. Yeah. I I love that. And so I know we have a couple other companies. Can I share one? You can, but really quick, it reminds me of Peloton. Were you going to talk about Peloton? No, I was going to talk about another one. Okay, so Peloton, John Foley, I think is his name. He um, Shout out to Peloton. Yeah, we love our Peloton. And I use them often because, like, again, in Passion and Profit, like, we're going to go through a branding module and you're going to have to come up with a name for your business. And so many people are going to cry about the fact that their dream name is taken. And I'm like, yeah, it's 2021. Of course, your dream name is taken. We talked about this in one of the previous episodes. So Peloton, I don't what is a Peloton? I don't even know. Is that a word in the dictionary? But Peloton was taken. Yeah. And so they said, you know what? We're just going to call it one Peloton and we'll trademark it, whatever. Keep it moving. For like their website. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. So anyways, the founder there was trying to pitch this idea. Like, wouldn't it be great if you were like having the same kind of results as like a soul cycle, but you didn't have to actually go and plan your workouts ahead and then sit there and be disappointed if the class was full? Like, wouldn't it be cool if you could do it from home? And people were like, nah, that's the whole reason why you go to a soul cycle is so you have the energy of everyone else and the community and like the instructors are so good. And he was like, yeah, but what if you had that from home and you could do that at 5 a.m.? And people were like, yeah, no. Hmm. So he gets down to like pennies. Mm. Investors are saying no. And then all of a sudden at like the last minute, someone swoops in and says, okay, let's try it. 
And I mean, he was talking about all this stress and depression and like his marriage was strained. And I think at one point they were living with their in-laws, like yeah. something really crazy. And then, you know, he just really believed in what That's he was, what I was trying say. to sell. Like you have to have a deep belief. Right. Right. Like you almost think you can hear that story and you can think that, oh, there's a stark uh, contrast to the the clubhouse guys and how the Peloton owner approached it because he risked everything. Right. Right. Everything was riding on it. But that goes back to the resilience. Right. And that ability to persevere and stay with it and, and have a deep belief in what you're doing. Like in order to uproot your family, in order to, and I think he had a corporate job, right? And so he like left. Yeah. And so like he left stability and yes. comfort to say, I believe in my idea so much that I'm willing to almost risk it all. Like I'm cashing everything out. I'm um, ordering yeah, this prototypes. Is th this is like, it has to work. And yep. you know, that's something you have to have as well. Like you have to, if you believe in something so deep, I guess the question is, and maybe you can answer this, like what is that limit? Like when do you say, okay, well, maybe it's not a bad, maybe it is a bad well, idea. Well, I'm really glad you asked that because I have another story for you. And I don't know if you guys know this, but KFC had over a thousand rejections. Nah, people won't buy fried chicken. Yeah. They're just not going to buy that. And Colonel Sanders was Who like- said that? People uh, love fried chicken. A thousand people said wow. no to He pitched this company, this idea for this company- a thousand times. And guess what? On the 1,000th and 10th time, someone said yes. And he, the guy he was, was like, 62 yeah, years old. He was old. Colonel Sanders was 62 years old when he finally got a yes. I'm just going to tell you, I'm probably not going to hear a thousand no's and keep going. Yeah. I'm just not. I'm not going to probably be in my 60s and be like, I've got a great fried chicken, guys. I'm still going to go. I'm probably not, but then I wouldn't have reaped the benefits, right? Yeah. So they said if he would have stopped at his 10th rejection or his 100th rejection or even his 1,000th rejection, we would never know KFC to be around. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's interesting because when I ask that question, when do you turn back? No you clue. Know, you, when you, you don't can't know. take it anymore. You don't know. I mean, you only get one life. You do. And to live with regret is probably the most painful thing to have. And most people, what I found in my life, there's more regret about the things I didn't do right. than the things that I did do. But here's the right? thing. Like, I'm, I, you asked the question, I don't know. Am I going to keep plugging, like, with the rejections at 60-something years old? I've been doing this for a decade Am I still going to keep trying to sell my chicken? Like we talk all the time. Well, like as soon as he did it, he lived to be 200 years old. 200. I'm just honey. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but we talk about this all the time. Like, let's just say you want to be a rapper and you're not yeah. that good. And you're just like, here you are now in your 50s. You're still trying to get a music deal. When do you stop? Like, lots of other people will tell you, you should probably just like retire. You should just hang up those dreams and just get a day job. So I don't think that there's an answer to that. I don't think there's a cookie cutter answer, but I do think that if you have a deep belief in something, then at the 1000th and 10th time, somebody's going to finally say yes. Yeah. I think it's God. I think God is like, you but know it, what? But here's you the were thing. faithful over but I, this. But I will tell you this. I think it's, it's a law mm. and, and you know how laws work, yep. right? They're irrefutable in a sense. I think that there's a law that if you are pursuing something and you are practicing it and you are 
putting together the craft and you're trying to perfect it, but you're also very humble and open for perspective and feedback, I think that you're going to get some evidence. I think you're going to find some success in whatever you do if you have that deep determination. So let's just say you start off at 16 trying to be a rapper. Mm -hmm. If you are really persistent, if you are really working on your craft and you are allowing people to give you perspective, like, hey, that rhyme was was, was whack. Uh, (laughs) How you put those two lines together, it didn't make sense. And you listened and you made adjustments after adjustments after adjustments. I do think eventually. Eventually, by the time you're 45, you're going to have at least one Right. amazing song right I, it's just you you are right and so i think that's something that's really important to to keep in mind because i think when you ask that question i think it just depends on on the person i agree yeah because even for me i mean i at least have one hit song when i used to rap oh god okay so back to the question <laughs> like when do you stop right? well can i answer that when i have i have one okay okay so and this is an interesting story because you think about like your back is against the wall. You're the CEO of a company. So this is a comp- This is about Frederick Smith, uh, and he was the CEO of FedEx, Okay. right? And so FedEx was in business and was struggling in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And fuel costs was going through the roof. They just, obviously there was no Amazon that would like, you know, keep trucks on the road. And so you were relying on obviously people shipping oversized packages mm-hmm. in that time. And so It was just like rising gas prices, rising logistic gra- nightmares. Yeah, uh-huh. nightmare, right? So the company was like hemorrhaging money. Hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging money. And so he had an enormous fuel bill of $24,000. Mm-hmm. And the company at that time only had $5,000 in, in liquidity, in, in money. And right. so they were not going to to pay their bills. They so, were about to be done. They yeah. were done. So you talk about when you stop. Well, <laughs> this guy, Frederick Smith, goes to Las Vegas, mm-hmm. makes a bet with the last money he has on a blackjack mm-hmm. and wins $27,000. That's God. And <laughs> pays his bills. And, and then in the preceding months was able to get funding. And then obviously... You know, to make a long story short, you have FedEx that you have today. It's worth $30 billion. And so you think about the fact that like, like, you, bro, Blackjack saved your company. Like, you're like, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to go to Vegas and I'm bet just going to, I'm just going to bet on whatever. <laughs> I'm going to play Blackjack and see what happens. But like, uh, what That's kind of audacity? irresponsible, right? by the way. Well, I mean, you think about it. Like, he, I mean, he said, I got a $24,000 bill. Yeah. I got five grand. I can't I'm gonna pay. have to file bankruptcy. What am I gonna? Yeah, <laughs> I might as well see. Let this ride, right? And see what happens, right? But I think that that's also kind of the same thought process. I think the clubhouse guys are like, this might work. I don't yeah. know. We're gonna just see. Let's see what happens. And I think that that lightheartedness with this, I think you could be lighthearted and extremely determined at the same time. I think you're absolutely right. It reminds me of Robin, my stepmom. She always says like. You have to like raise kids with humor, like because mm-hmm. if not, they'll drive you crazy, right? Yeah. So just kind of laugh at everything, like, I do and that. that leads me to think <laughs> that you could keep things easy, simple, and fun, right? That's like my mantra, right? Just keep it easy, simple, and fun. If you are constantly forcing yourself, you're starting a business, great, that shit's gonna be painful. But could you keep it easy, simple, and fun? But think about you like, could laugh yeah. at the fact that you're hemorrhaging, <laughs> like, you know, this money, is crazy, <laughs> and you're gonna have to file bankruptcy, and then you could say, 
F it. I'm just going to bet on black and it's blackjack and I'm in Vegas, whatever. Like YOLO, you only have one life. Yeah. I mean, think about it. And like, you could get handsomely rewarded for that. But let me ask you this question. So what do you think is the like number one for you, your your number one characteristic that helps you be a successful businesswoman? One, Just one word. What do you think it is? It's my resilience for sure. Resilience. Mm -hmm. But, but what, I kind of am going to laugh if you tell me no. And then I'm going to find a way. Well, I think see, I think you, I, I gamify you, I, it. I think you have resilience. But if I were to answer that question for you, I would say it's creativity. Oh, yeah. And you think about what stifles creativity. Stress. Right. Stress stifles creativity. So the number one thing is, as an entrepreneur you need is creativity. Mm -hmm. And obviously you need all the other things, resilience, you need to be strategic mindset, all these different things. But number one thing is you got to be creative, yeah, right? Part of your, the resourcefulness that you need to have is your ability to be creative and come up with solutions. So here's kind of so, my formula though. If you keep it easy, simple, light, and fun, and someone tells you no, I'm like, Psh. I'm going to find a way. Like right. It's the creativity that has to keep like kicking in right. in order for me to prove you wrong. Absolutely. So then that builds the resilience. But I would agree with you. Any of the times in business, and it trust me, it has not always been freaking fun. But any of the times where it hasn't been fun and I've been extremely stressed out, my creativity is a thousand percent stifled. Mm -hmm. And I have to meditate. I have to pray. I have to say the Jesus prayer. I have to do something to just release it, right? And when I say the Jesus prayer, it's like a physical, like I'm literally giving it to God. You right. can give it to whatever you want, but literally I'm like, take it off my shoulders. It's a monkey. I've done everything I can. There is no more left in and me. Then, and then boom. boom, I get an idea there flooded. It, it finds me it's every It's that time. release. Yeah. It's that release. So if I could give you one single bit of feedback, I'd tell you that you have to figure out a way to not carry the stress. You're going to have the stress, but there has to be some form of release that you can just say, I did everything I could. I ran out of creativity. I feel defeated. So I'm going to table this and leave it right here. And I'll come back to the problem. It will still be there. Trust me. But if you can't find a way to just table it, then the creativity can never find you. Yeah. The solutions will never find you. Right. Yeah. I think that's just so important because as business owners, you, you sometimes are counter to that. Like you, the stress can bog you down. Yeah. And then you're stressed about not having ideas to fix your problem. And so now you're stressed on top of your stress. Yeah. And so your stress is stressing you out. And that's restrictive. Like you think about the body and how the body is the most healthy. It's when your blood is flowing and nutrients are the blood is carrying nutrients to all your joints and your ligaments and your organs and all those things are getting what they need because it's free flowing because you're doing things to keep yourself healthy and all those things. Well, your brain and your stress and the emotion restricts all those things. Yeah. And so nothing can get through. But when, Ideas can't get through. Blood flow can't get through. It just, it's almost like, like you don't understand. I know that you do because you have me. But like when I was going through a stressful time, if someone said, you know what, just table that shit, go to the gym. I would look at you sideways. <laughs> go to the gym you want me to just, oh, yeah, let me put some AirPods in and go have some music. And like, it sounds ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And you don't want anyone to tell you that. But the times when you can, I think, discover it on your own, like I need to table this right. and not think about it. Like, I remember one time I was like super stressed out. I said, I'm going to go to the spa. 
Mm. Like spending money is the last thing you should do when your back's against the wall. But I knew that it was the only place I could find like solace. And I needed to go and meditate. And like literally I can feel myself getting into the jacuzzi, taking a shower, just rinsing off all of the stress, like, you know, making it a spiritual practice. I went into the meditation room and I literally was praying. And I swear to you, I had to leave the spa walk down the street to this like stationary store, buy a journal and a pen and walk back to the spa. <laughs> and I sat there for two hours and wrote down all these ideas. And that's when I came up with the idea for the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And then the investor found me and it was just like all these things, boom, 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 back to back. Right, right. So I can just tell you I'm speaking from experience. Another time I can tell you, which I feel like should be the next podcast, is when I got stuck with this like, bill. I think it was a workers comp bill. And I was like, they said, Oh, you have 10 days to pay it. And I was like, yeah, no, I don't have (laughs) $15,000. It was like 17,000 or something. And it was just like one thing after the next. And I was like, okay, I have a busted pipe. I've got all this stuff. And now I have this $17,000 bill and I got to pay it in 10 days. No, not going to do it. No. Right. So I call and I'm just like arguing with them, trying to be pushy, blah, 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 blah. And it just, it wasn't working. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this woman, her name is Rita Baker. Do you remember this story? Mm -hmm. She walks in, she's like 152 years old, you guys. That's not how old she is. And she was an older woman. And, and I'll tell you in the next podcast, but she saved my life that day. Yeah. She really did. That, that would be a great podcast on just when people come to your rescue. Right. Let's do that. That's going to be the next episode, episode 90. So back to this. So FedEx is jacked up. He gambles. He gets bailed out, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, so that kind of story, what I found, when you read biographies of of entrepreneurs, like that's not, I mean, obviously the gambling thing is is like a, you know, that's the isolated thing. But that's not, it's not unusual for them to be dead broke. And like I think about the shoe dog story, Phil with, Knight. With Phil Knight, like Nike. I think it was eight years that he was trying to get this building, this business off the ground. Literally making selling shoes from his trunk, no money. Called like, Blue Ribbon, right? And so you think about, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's worth fifty-two billion dollars yeah. now. And what's interesting is when you read about his story, he goes eight years struggling, mm-hmm. and then it just took. Like a couple sequences of events and all of a sudden Nike takes off. Right. Like it's like it's like that fast, but that slow. It's like the bamboo tree. Right. Right. How long did it really take? Right. Is it five years to grow or 90 days? Because you you plant a bamboo tree. It sits underground for five years. Mm -hmm. And then when it sprouts, it it grows to like 90 feet or something in 90 days. It's something ridiculous. Well, okay, so you're talking about quick growth with Nike, but he had sucked it up for eight years. Eight years. Reminds me of Ugg Boots, the founder Mm -hmm. of Ugg Boots. We had the privilege of hearing him speak. And he basically said, that, you know, it was this great company and we were, you know, starting to sell. He had sold these shoes out of his Volkswagen van because he was a surfer and he wanted these shoes to be put on your feet after you surfed, right? And so he's selling, it's kind of picking up. And then freaking Oprah puts Ugg boots on Oprah's favorite things on Christmas. 
And now they have massive debt because like they have all these orders. They had just got this deal with Nordstrom. They can't keep them in stock. Their distributor can't keep up. And he's like, we're literally on the verge of like just shutting everything down because we couldn't secure capital. We didn't have the funding. We didn't even have the money to make the orders that were already sold. And so they were in this huge like world of trouble. And then somehow miraculously someone, you know, saves the day. And that happened to him like two or three times where it's like this big break is actually the thing that breaks you. Yeah. I, I wonder if Oprah will put us on her favorite list. I, I <laughs> You'd want, like to be I broken? I want that problem. <laughs> I want that problem real bad. Like, can we just get that problem? Okay. So we talked about <laughs> companies that, you know, hey, we're just going to do for fun. Right. We talked about people that just don't take no for an answer. Colonel we Sanders. We talked about people who bet on you know, Blackjack. Blackjack. We that, talked that's about one, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about Phil Knight, just eight years and then boom, big break. Right. And then we talk about the big break breaking you, mm-hmm. UGG founder, right? So can we talk about when people think you are literally crazy? Like it's a dumb idea. Nobody's going to do it. And that's Airbnb. Yeah. 10 years ago, if you said, you know, it'd be kind of cool if you published your home address <sighs> and you let strangers come into your home. And just rent your house for like a night. Right. Yeah, no, you can't share your address, right? Mm -hmm. And this is kind of funny, but we have a new mailbox because we remodeled the house. And the mailbox that I have has a window on it. And you can actually see the address. And so I think it was Jasmine, our oldest, walked by. She goes, oh, that's a problem. You can see the address through the window on the mailbox. And someone said... Really? Like, <laughs> this is our home. address is printed on the house. Like, this is our mailbox. The mail should go oh here. My God. But think about that. Same thing with, like, you were told when you were a kid, like, don't let strangers in your vehicle. Mm-hmm. And we have Uber and Lyft. Don't talk to strangers. Right. Now you have Clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> so think about how absurd, like, people thought that you were to rent your house out for a night and give your address away on the Internet. Yeah, that's crazy. And that company's worth a gazillion dollars. What else you got? Well, you think about, so there are many things that are out there that you would kind of almost think that they always have been successful, Mm -hmm. right? So like Apple has a a very interesting story of of near failure and then an amazing comeback. And then obviously valued as one of the most valuable companies in the world. You think about Marvel, right? You mm-hmm. think about the MCU. Shout out to all my MCU Marvel fans. Uh-huh. Like they were on the brink of just disaster. Like, and it's crazy because you think about, and if you, obviously I'm not gonna get into the details, but like they put out movies before they put out like the Avengers mm-hmm. and Iron Man and all those kind of things that made gazillion, uh, Black Panther and make billions of dollars. They put out movies before that were somewhat successful, but they were nowhere near where they're at now. But even in that time, they were on the brink of failure right. until Disney stepped in and said, we believe in this and put seven. I think they bought them for, you know, seven or what was it? I think it's like crazy, like seven billion dollars or something like that. And now it's worth billions, hundreds of billions of dollars. Now, this company uh, that used to make comic books. Yeah. And so like, I guess what I'm saying is, is that 
Like this game of business, this game of entrepreneurship is a game of ups and downs. Right. And it's really about who can stay in it, who can, you know, resist the the feeling of quitting, who can mm-hmm. who can still like keep their wits about them and create something amazing that people will be like overwhelmed with and inspired with. So I think that's But you that's won't a, know unless you stay the course. Yeah, you right? won't know. So you said something about Walt Disney buying the Disney, yeah. Right. So Walt Disney, he originally had an animation studio called Laughagram Studio in Kansas City. It went bankrupt within the first two years. There you have it. So he has several failures. And they also say, like, if his brother wasn't the CFO, then he would have never been what he is, right? You need somebody to manage your money. I think the point we're trying to make here for you, especially if we have any passion and profit students that are currently trying to pursue their passions and create a business that they love, is you have to make the decision to keep things easy, simple, light, or the creativity won't continue to find you, right? You can't put all your eggs in one basket, so to speak. Like you can go all in on something, which Colonel Sanders did or the Peloton (laughs) guy did. did, right? But you can't like wrap your own personal happiness and identity up in one thing that probably based on all these companies we're talking about, they had some previous failures before they hit it big. Yeah. And you said something and we and we used to talk about this a lot, but I think you have to approach it as it's a game and you have to gamify Gamify it. it. You have to look at it and say, this is a game. I'm keeping score. And I'm going to have as much fun as I possibly can because I only get one life. Right. And I think that that's something I think we're learning is like, like this is the one life you get. And if you're mad, sick, tired, frustrated, angry for a majority of it, I'm just going to say you're probably not doing it right. Absolutely. Right. You're probably approaching this life the wrong way. But if your business is like constant stress, it's a big downer, it's taking you away from your family all of that stress is going to cause like problems and breakdowns in your body. And your bit that means you're also not doing business right. Right. <laughs> and so this message is dedicated to all of you that have an idea that you feel is worthy of pursuing. We think you should pursue it, but yep. we think that you should pursue it with fun and curiosity. Uh, so much curiosity, right? So much experimentation, because that's really what not only life is about, but truly that's what business is about. It's about throwing shit against the wall and seeing what sticks. Right. Like every time you post something on social media, like I posted something the other day that said, buy my shit. That's what you sound like in the beginning when you're telling people, hey, it's Mother's Day. Uh, I have cupcakes on sale. Click the link in my bio to buy it. You suck in the beginning. You're basically saying buy my shit. No, we have to teach you what creative copy is. We have to teach you the art of the sale. We have to teach you how to find and attract your ideal client. We have to teach you those things, right? If you come into business thinking, I'm going to ask people to buy this stuff. And if they don't buy it, oh, my God, I'm going to be so stressed out. And then I'm going to go out of business and I'm not going to cover my costs. And I'm not. A, no one's going to buy your shit. Well, it just doesn't work like yeah, that. Yeah. And, and I'll say this before we ended. Like bad salespeople and bad marketers are pushy. Mm-hmm. They just push, push, push because they lack the skill set and the ability to be light and conversational and have fun with it. Right. I buy Dr. Squash soap 
simply because their it's average fun. their marketing was fun right and it and it attracted me and they had a scene where uh you know quite frankly it was a, a black dude taking a shower and his wife who was uh not black <laughs> went in the shower and it looked like it was like reminded me of my wife and i was like and she smelled and she goes oh you smell so good and i was like that's I'm gonna probably, get that. That's probably what my wife is gonna say, right? I'm gonna buy it. But it was fun. And now and I it use was the soap light. with you. Yeah, and it was fun. It was light. But I that's why, but they were still selling to me. Right. Right. And so I think that when you when you think about growing a business, you think about everything that goes into it, if you're not having fun with it, then you're probably going to be pushy. Yeah. You're probably going to say bye, 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 bye. Well, you're be and desperate. no one's gonna buy, right? You'll be and desperate. people are gonna try to avoid you as much as possible, like yeah. the person cleaning shoes at the mall that yells at you and say, Who's cleaning your shoes? What kind of stuff do you use to clean your shoes yeah, with? I'm like, I go, I nah, don't want my shoes bro, cleaned. I don't even want to listen look at you. Yeah. <laughs> right. So so I'm just I think that's an important thing to just make sure you guys understand. So in closing, don't be desperate. Have fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Keep it fun. Keep it light. And I know that this is a fun, light episode, but this is to encourage you to just like stay the course, you know, pursue the idea. But you have the creativity that you'll need to build the resilience to be able to withstand the failures and the rejections, it's not going to find you if you're such a bitch about it. Like if you're so negative about it and so like just uptight about it. So take it easy. Yeah. I think there's a difference between desperation and necessity. Yep. Like that to me, like the Peloton guy, it was a necessity yep. for it to be successful. The cake mama's a necessity. A necessity. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's different than desperation. But, you know, we can get inside another conversation. That's right. So hopefully uh, you guys liked this. And yeah, we'll see you in the next episode. Leave a review, comment, and, like, something. And we'll always see you guys soon. push through. Thank you for listening to the Push Podcast. Hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review, leave your handle. And until next time, push through.